Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Tuesday edition is here across the Outkick network. Crew is all here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Jam-packed show. Basketball Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson joins us in 20 minutes. Coming up in hour number two, John McClain joins us to talk all the NFL headlines, which we're about to do as well. Plus in hour three, former Crimson Tide running back, two-time national champion, uh, four-year NFL vet now in the USFL, former Crimson Tide running back Bo Scarborough with us. That will be at 420 Central Time. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Big, big show today. We've got Ralph Sampson to talk NBA Finals and everything else going on. I went back and watched some highlight footage of Ralph Sampson. I was uh, way too young to enjoy Ralph Sampson at the time he was playing. Dominant. But there was a shot that put the Rockets into the Finals where they lost to the Celtics in 86 uh, to beat the Lakers with one second on the clock. It's one of the top 60 plays I saw in NBA history. Unbelievable shot. I, I don't know, like watching this grainy footage of it, this is not high definition in 1986. <laughs> he catches the ball facing out of bounds this way and shoots it over his head like a horse shot on a jumper with one second left and drains it. His college career them. was absolutely unbelievable, phenomenal. One of the best college players of all time. Yeah. Yeah, one of only two guys to be the Naismith Player of the Year award winner three times. The other one, Bill Walton, everyone's favorite broadcaster. Uh, That's awfully good company. Yep. Awfully good company. We'll talk with uh, Ralph Sampson coming up in 20 minutes. And again, headlines with John McClain across the NFL. A lot busier week in the NFL this week compared to last week um, with uh, the OTAs going on and the newsworthiness of those speaking. Deshaun Watson one of them, the Cleveland Browns quarterback, speaking for the first time since the New York Times report from last week. In fact, it broke or, and, and it was dropped while McLean was on the show with us last week. Um, and while the number, the 66 reported uh, massage, different massage therapists that had met with Watson uh, was new, a lot of the details, according to what McLean was saying, uh, many of them, maybe except for one name, Chad, uh, John was saying was from the depositions from last year, uh, which was available through those court records. We'll get John's take on that and reaction to what Watson had to say today, which was just reiterating uh, what he said the last time we saw him speak to the media, which is he's, he's saying that uh, the same tone. Like I've said, I've never assaulted anyone, never harassed anyone, never disrespected anyone, never forced anyone to do anything. When asked if the figure of 66 separate massage therapists seemed accurate, the quote was, I don't think so. And at the same time, that's more of a legal question that I can't get into details about. You'll probably have to ask, and he goes on to, to uh, his legal team, is what he means to say here. 
Uh, this all from uh, the New York Post, who's was live tweeting this today while this is going on in, in Cleveland at the OTAs and minicamps. I should say minicamp, not OTAs. Yeah, there's not a lot of new new. It's funny you mentioned John McClain. We started, you know, reading the New York Times story last week and going to break. He said, "Old news, all old news." And then we come back and I read through the story, and he does admit that two things. One, he knew about the security, uh, the, the head of security for the Texans, giving him the NDA. The name had never been u- named before, though, in a report until then. And the little detail, the nugget about a member of the training staff having his name down for a membership at the Houstonian, where Deshaun Watson also used a hotel room there for these services. Um, Was the 66 old news? Uh, he, uh, he said that the the Chronicle at the time had it up to, based on the depositions, 40, you could link up to 44. 44. Well, so that's there are 22 a significant increase yeah. from 44 And the New York 66. Times would also admit in their reporting that some of those numbers are being added to from other sources that uh, are a part of the 44. So it's uh, not direct contact with someone as far as being a number as part of a 66 massages from different people. Um, at, did, least, I, at least five of them, according to the report, were added on based on what someone else told them. I think, Paul, yeah. the old I didn't old think it was huge revelation, but I thought it was incremental building, which at times, uh, Jenny Frentis has been consistently the doing. The way I would describe it is just, it, there's just more of it. Right. Yeah. There's right. nothing new. Incremental gains. Right? I mean, everything that Deshaun Watson has said he didn't do or that wasn't illegal could still hold, mm-hmm. and everything the women have said continues to multiply. With other women, right? Like, if there's not there's not some new allegation of, okay, uh, Deshaun Watson grabbed me and forced me to have sex with him, right? That would be a completely new allegation that's totally different than other accusations from women, right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of differences in some of the stories, but really right now it's just more and more and more. And are, are, I'm certainly not going to be shocked if there's another story that more. there's 30 more oh, women. Yeah. That come out and tell the New York Times or someone else that's that's involved. And in also, those. I'm sure you guys hit this, but uh, look, I can understand an NDA from. I don't want everybody to know my business, but you shouldn't have such a widespread thing that you don't need people to know your business. If you have normal business dealings with a couple masseurs, well, mas- then you don't need an NDA. Right? I mean, look, he, he, there's no denying now that his dealings with mas- with massage therapists is irregular. Like there's Beyond no, irregular, there's yeah. no saying, I mean, I, there's no defense now coming from, you know, his defense team saying, you know, he was very normal in how he handled massage therapy right. and what he did with it. The defense is, is it, is it illegal? Right. Happy endings now, are normal. Yeah. And you know, consensual <laughs> sex is legal. If it happened after, well, if you be, solicit it and offer to pay for it, it's illegal. What's crazy though is, uh, an NDA is not, Uncommon to hear about. Derek no. Jeter handed out gift baskets, and you check your phone at the door, and that was you know applauded at the time as some great Howard Stern esque type story that uh, that would happen at his mansion. Right, but we've not heard from those women that he was doing anything because that they, they didn't signed want an NDA. <laughs> I mean, that's my yeah. point. Well, it's- like that that's that that was the whole like point of telling the gift basket story you get a gift basket on the way out for signing something on the way in here's the troubling part to me about all this and Hutton, you're right about what you're saying I, it's not the nda that bothers me or that he went to the uh, texans head of security to ask for a solution and the texans head of security doing his job 
says, man, you probably need to clean this up, and here's an NDA if you get in a future problem. And he, maybe he makes copies of that. Maybe he gave him 50 of them right away. It's the fact that Deshaun Watson was blackmailed by a woman on Instagram, said, I, I, this is what happened. I want you to pay me this. You've done this to me. I'm upset about it. I'm going to expose you. Deshaun Watson freaks out for a moment, goes to the facility, goes to the head of security, gets an NDA, and starts it right back up again. Like, doesn't even say, you know, I probably should cool it. No. If this is going to happen to me, this is what people do. This Chad, is, people but he goes right back with that, money. That shows with me though, habit. this is such a problem, right? I mean, we talked about the Robert Kraft thing. What, why would you go to the this spa to do this? You are a billionaire. You could do so many different things and stay within the boundaries of the law in doing so. But there's just people are weird. You know, yes, people have their things and they have their kinks and whatever. But to me, that's where it's, man, this was a real, real problem for Deshaun Watson. That he, it, I just think about the natural human response to that would be to get scared and to and shut it down stop. for a while. This guy, after this, contacted the owner of a string of massages and then got in with her to handle the bidding for him. I said, I said this is what people do. Let me correct myself. People with money and power, and I said, bad habits what i meant is a propensity for potentially criminal behavior uh, and that's what they do they feel like they can't they're invincible right time and time again that's what the story is uh, not even people with power you watch dateline and people get away with stuff and they do a little more and a little more until they kill someone or you know whatever i'm not saying you kill someone but you know what i'm saying well it's the pattern the other normal part of this that we haven't seen is a settlement out of court which he refuses to do yeah that that's the other uncommon element to this story which i mean unfortunately this this is the example of why you settle out of court even if you feel like you're not guilty of anything that's true because the things continue to build go away and uh, I mean, I, I'll go back to th- this point. If he settles last October, he's in Miami right now, and he would have finished the season as their starting quarterback. Period. And that would have happened. And this would not be a story. And this uh, offseason. And and now we wait on this independent investigation uh, to conclude. Uh, the NFL has concluded their talks with him. He was asked about that today. He said he has been nothing but completely honest with the league, um, and that all he wants to do is clear his name. This Which is, is the why other he thing. hasn't settled. This is the other thing, though, that I think that happens uh, I, in this whole framework, Chad, of, of the mentality of it. I think people convince themselves that things are true that are not true. He, I believe that he's done a lot of this stuff and that he's convinced himself he's done nothing wrong at the same time. I believe a lot of people who do nefarious stuff, some of it, you know, at different levels of nefarious stuff, Convince themselves, I was raised well, I'm a good person, I've done a lot of charitable work, I spent my first paycheck on, on the women in the cafeteria who were affected by the hurricane, uh, I'm a generally good guy, and I've gone into some massages and, and did some things, but uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with what I did. And in his moral code, he's carved out, and I think we all do this to some degree, you carve out what is fine and what is not. I'll, I'll give an example of myself. I'm, I'm a kid. I was raised in a religious family. I carved out that it was okay to drink with my buddies, but it was not okay to do any drugs. And so underage drinking, and I know this is a small thing, but underage drinking was completely fine, but I would never go near pot. 
And so I justified a lot of things that way. I, I made carve-outs. We all make out carve-outs. And so he gets bigger, and we're talking about a different world and a different degree of things, and he carved things out in a way that he convinced himself he, he's fine. Well, and also I think that uh, he had a lot of success with this. Yes. I mean, that's, and the more that's, you have success, right. the more I mean, that, it's not it's not universal. You I mean, there's, it's it's on the record that three of these women had sex with him at the end of the massage. So it's not like he's All's getting good. turned down at every turn. So the confidence level grows. It emboldens you to do more and more, and you're not as deterred by the the girl that cries when you try to do this with her. Right, because I mean, the next one might have sex with you. Yeah, I mean, you just move on and say, "Well, I guess you know she was having a bad day, but let's call up my uh, massage consigliere down the road, and she'll set me up with a new masseuse, and then things will be fine tomorrow, or three days from now, or one week from now." My my biggest issue with the whole thing is the NFL, who six, seven, eight months ago decided they were not going to play the court system, they are now going by the moral code of reacting to public perception and, and, and public reaction yeah, to this care. story after allowing him, if they do in fact end up suspending him, they have allowed him to be suspended with the maximum of a million dollar fine if he's suspended for the full season. The NFL allowed this to happen. Cleveland gave him a fully guaranteed contract where they have doubled down publicly saying they do not plan on voiding that contract. Um, this is the second time that he stood behind a microphone and claimed that he's going to clear his name on this. Two grand juries, not one, but two grand juries in Texas threw this out. Didn't even want to go forward with it for a criminal trial. And yet here we sit on the uh, a month before training camp gets going, going back through the details that were available through these court documents last fall. And a, a lot of these details that were out in the HBO uh, interview were in these documents. and But yet... The, the reaction has been, oh, we're hearing this for the first time. I, I, I mean, there's also a timing element to it from the other side of this case as to why they sat down and did the interviews right now. It's because the court of public perception, they're hoping, weighs in on whatever NFL investigation is going on right now. Do we, do we remember uh, the NBA? I think it was David Stern. Maybe not. Uh, disallowed a trade. It was New Orleans. Maybe the New Orleans Hornets before they became the Pelicans and they had some big trade. Chris Paul, maybe. They're going to send him mm-hmm. to the Lakers. Yes. And they yes. just disallowed it. But they but there was nothing, the Clippers. Right. And there was nothing technically wrong with the trade. The commissioner just used his power. Chad, that sound familiar to you? No, you're accurate on that. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot they, what they, they were blocked getting returned. It. it was like, uh, it was... Uh, they just thought it wasn't good for the game. It was a Chris Paul involved trade from New Orleans, I think, to the Lakers at the time. That's what he said, yeah. Yeah, and it was the, right, so I'm just, who else was involved I'm just in wondering, Well, they ended up sending him to the Clippers. Yeah. I'm just wondering, at, at different league, obviously, different CBA, all of that, could Goodell have said no to the contract that Deshaun Watson signed and said, we see what you're doing here with the first-year salary, and we're going to disallow it because we know what you're ultimately avoiding here. Reshape it and resubmit it. Because that could have avoided what the one big thing is here, which is he's going to get off scot-free and he's only going to give up games and not money. Here's, here's right. where I fall But this, then though. you're manipulating but, somebody's salary but it's cap. Not, but you're exerting real commissioner power. Roger Goodell, though, Roger Goodell works for Jimmy Haslam. 
Yeah. He he works at the behest of the owners. But the rest of those owners weren't but happy here, with that follow, contract. Follow me on with along with us though. Uh, the contract is one thing, but they all jumped when they threw out that the grand jury threw it out. Right? That was when they did that. Multiple. That was a great I don't night. think they do that unless they get some sort of nudge from the Commissioner Goodell or his office that if this criminal thing isn't going down, you're fine. At least a yellow light. Maybe not a completely green you're, light. You're fine. Right. But yeah, now's the time. I that's wouldn't right. do anything until some criminal you know, case is thrown out. Then that's when I would start to act because that's when multiple teams, it was not just the Browns, multiple teams jumped in for Deshaun Watson. Now, the guaranteed contract, all of that, that's a separate issue of going above and beyond of what was going on. But I, I really think that they're not all acting unless they get some bit of information from the league, back-channeled, however, that says, you're free to do this now. Well, I agree with that. But then, making the first-year money virtually nothing for the suspension thing is going to the, another exactly extreme. Yeah. And very clear. I mean, everybody who covers the league, anybody who knows anything, knew immediately when the contract numbers came out what they did there so they're doing him a favor giving up a ton bringing him into a good environment all of that and then they say also on top of all of this good faith on our part we're going to stand behind you put our reputations at risk all of this and we're going to make sure that you don't take any kind of financial hit that's the part where i think cleveland could have saved itself a lot of trouble or goodell could have stepped in and said i see what you're doing here we're not going to allow for that and i think he probably could exercise that power coming up we will uh talk more with uh john mcclain about this who has covered watson throughout his entire career up into this point uh we will uh chat with him that is coming up in about 45 minutes when we come back basketball hall of famer ralph sampson joins us he is the host of the center court on believe and certainly he's been watching the NBA Finals. We will chat about that and his decorated Hall of Fame career. All of that and more straight ahead. First, though, Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner who keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. Vitalifescience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-Lifescience.com, where you can see more information and receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora. Unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione every day. They have so many more options to choose from at VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. VitaLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. More headlines coming up uh, across the NFL and OutKick 360 and the OutKick Network. We switch gears, though. The Warriors took a 3-2 series lead last night over the Boston Celtics, and we have one of the the best to play, especially, man, in the college game, one of the best ever college basketball players, Ralph Sampson joins us, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, and he is the host of Center Court on Believe, and he joins us now on Outkick 360. Ralph, great to have you on the show. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. The Warriors won last night, so I can't, I can't complain. Steph Curry, only 16, <clears throat> but before the game, the chatter was, he is the MVP, win or lose the series. Were you on board with that sentiment? Well, they're trying to slate him to be the MVP of a, of a finals because he's never had one, I, I suppose, at this point. But he did it in the previous game when it was do or die in Boston. It could have been 3-1 coming back to uh, San Francisco, but he had a phenomenal game. I, you know, obviously, I think he shot himself out because he didn't make a three last night at all. So, um, you know, but but – the proof is in the next game, how he comes back. I think they will win the series and win the championship, even if they have to come back to uh, Golden State and San Francisco. But, I mean, he, he's the MVP no matter what, uh, you know, whoever steps up. But over the series, I think he should win the MVP for sure. For someone who played for the Warriors in Oakland, were you sad to see them leave Oakland for San Francisco? Uh, not really. I mean, I understand the economics of the league. Uh, Oakland was a great place to play, a lot of history there, but it was just a destination that, you know, you didn't want to go to sometimes outside the arena. The arena was packed when they won championships, but the new arena they have right now is absolutely phenomenal. So downtown San Francisco uh, is the heart of the city. And, um, you know, they they will still be a part of Oakland, I think, the history, but, you know, things change. You got to move on. I want you to take us back to Charlottesville, if you will, uh, Ralph. Um, I've heard some great recruitment stories, and it's gotten a lot <laughs> fancier since uh, since your day. But they put you in a helicopter and uh, and flew you up so that you could see something there. I was hoping you could recount that story, and and uh, I, I don't remember who the competition was, but I'm wondering how big an effect this had at sealing the deal for UVA. Well, yeah, the, it was my official visit. Now, you have to understand, I was, um, you know, I had already gone to the arena and played. I could won two, uh, three state championships there in the same arena I played in in college in University Hall. I've been to a number of games over there because it was only an hour away from my family's house. So I, I knew the university well, except for the classroom. And so my, at that point in time, you could take only six official visits. I took four. Virginia, Carolina, uh, Kentucky, and Virginia Tech. And so they begged me, begged me to come on a fisher visit. They picked me up in a conversion van, drive me an hour over the mountain. I come to University Hall, and there is a 
helicopter in the field waiting for me to get on. Like, okay, I'm seven one at that point in time. Never rode a helicopter in my life. I'm like scared of all get out. I don't know if that was a good move in the airport or not, but we took the helicopter over the university, Thomas Jefferson and the lawn and all that. And as the story goes, a guy named Tom Hicks, which I didn't know, know at that point in time, but he played at UVA uh, years before I did. And he and his attorney brothers went and wrote Ralph's house on the top of the building. And so, you know, that was exciting. It didn't sway me one way or another to go to UVA. Uh, but I had already, you know, and I made that decision. I always like the coach, the, the ACC, the teammates, all that stuff was a factor when I went there. But the crazy part about that helicopter, the next year in the NCAA rule book, it said no extravagant uh, recruiting visit trips like University of Virginia riding a helicopter and uh, it was an athlete over the over there at university. So I guess we made the record books the next year in the NCAA <laughs> what rule from, book. What from Ralph's house to Ralph's rule? Yes. Ralph Sampson, our guest, uh, and uh, a Hall of Famer at that. Um, so you mentioned you were 7'1 at the time. 7'4 uh, is where the growth spurt ended. How tall were you in high school? What was the growth spurt like in high school for you? Well, we go back as far as maybe middle school, maybe early, I say ninth grade. I was six foot seven in the ninth grade, probably 165 pounds soaking wet. Um, played on the junior varsity in the ninth grade year. Uh, at the end of the year, my high school coach moved me up to varsity. We went to state championships that year. And I went from 6'7 to 7'1 in three years uh, in my senior year at University of Virginia. So I entered Virginia at about 7'1, 7'2, and then I went another two inches my freshman year in college and being 7'4. So with a you know, every year ride to my body stopped growing and my joints and ligaments uh, start to mature. Uh, everybody understand. I went in university in my freshman year at 7'1, 199 pounds, basically. And someone that range. And I'm playing against, you know, Buck Williams, Albert King, Larry Nance, and you know, Hall of Fame uh, ACC players. And I was really, really young and, and, and not mature body-wise. So between my first and second year, I, I gained 15, 16 pounds of all muscle. And then we go to the final four my second year. And it, true that you started, whenever you started playing basketball, it was on an eight-foot goal, and there was a rule that yeah. you could only score 16 points in a game as an individual? Right, yeah. Uh, so and I, I, I used to love baseball, you know, a, a lot. And I could pitch at a young age, you know, I was tall, lanky, could throw pretty hard. I had an uncle that played in the uh, kind of the minor league, the other area. He was a really good pitcher. So that was fun for me. Uh, my arm at the next year or so got a little lax because of my growth spurts. And I threw kind of a sidearm type of pitch. And on right-handed batters, it stopped curving. It stopped going, it started going straight at the batter. So they're like, you're throwing too hard. You're going to hit somebody, hurt somebody. So we're going to move you to first base. They move me to first base, and I could catch the ball. But, you know, being with my wingspan, they would throw balls to first base, and they would be all crazy. And I would catch the ball with my ungloved hand. And my mother said, look, you're going to break your hand, you know, whatever. So they moved me to outfield, and outfield and left field was the most boring thing I ever did. And so I just made strictly the basketball, but basketball was wrong because we were eight foot baskets. And again, eighth grade, I was six, four, six, five already. And you can only score 16 points in a game. And I had 16 points in the first quarter. 
And all they got to do is rebound and pass the ball out. And we won it, obviously, but it was the most boring thing to do because I couldn't score. I couldn't get the ball, you know, only rebound. So it was fun. It taught me a lot about the game of basketball, but, um, you know, it, it was boring for sure. Do you get a little bit older, little Ralph, bit older. and see Randy Johnson dominating and think to yourself, man, I could have been him only five inches taller. If I would have stuck exactly. with well, I was, yeah, no doubt. I was, I, I coached in Phoenix for uh, a, a couple of years as a player development coach and met Randy a little bit like that. I mean, you six, seven, six, eight, you pitch, man. I could have stayed with it at that point in time with my body, but you have been the first seven foot pitcher. The, the evolution of your game fascinates me. Uh, you know, dominant player in high school, dominant big guy at Virginia and, and just a legendary career there. You get to the NBA, you get off to a great start. And then the Rockets draft another guy by the name of Hakeem Olajuwon. And you become more of a power forward to Hakeem Olajuwon at center. And you've got the Twin Towers, and your game evolves a little bit at that time. Walk us through the evolution of what was asked of you when Hakeem came along. And Ralph, when you watch the game today and see the role of big men in today's game, could you see yourself evolving even more into a role that would work today for you, and how how different would that role look be? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you know, my rookie year, you know, number one pick, uh, me and Roddy McCray, Roddy McCray was the third pick. We go to the draft, which is coming up in a week or so. We fly down to Houston. We got eighteen thousand people in the arena and wishing us good luck and fans, whatever. So it was exciting, obviously, at that point in time, of our career. But we get there, we got guys and. You know that played, and we go out, and we like, like where, where did we come to? Because they would go out to hang out, they would drink, smoke, whatever. Like, okay, it's a whole different world for us coming from college basketball. But we knew we got into it, and then we wanted to play. So my our rookie year, you know, was tough because we didn't win a lot of games. And um, I can remember like like the last game on the road, and you know, the coach Bill Fitz, God bless him, passed away not too long ago this year. And it would made me read the newspaper because I said it'd be just, you know, let us play a little bit. It would be totally different. But Elvin Hayes was one of my mentors. Uh, Caldwell Jones, Major Jones, Calvin Murphy, uh, Tommy Henderson. I mean, had a, guy, a, a, a lot of great guys that were uh, helping me get through my rookie year. And then at the end of the year, like they said, well, we can get the number one pick again. If we do that, we would like to draft Hakeem Olajuwon. So they came to me and said, how would you like to play power forward? And like, okay, great power forward. I don't have to be a center. I can run and jump like I want to. I don't have to get beat up on the post like I was getting beat up every night in and night out. And we would get the great Akeem Olajuwon. Now, I had played Akeem Olajuwon in, in uh, Tokyo. Actually, my team did. I was actually had pneumonia. And so I got to know him a little bit from that experience. But watching play in the NCAA tournament, they, that could be a good fit. And they came with this thing called the Twin Towers. So it was exciting for me to, um, you know, get him involved and get him started. As a, you know, I'm a second year man. He's a, a rookie. And we, we, I think we played well together. And if they would have kept it together, we would have won multiple championships many, many, you know, many times, I think. Because you have to understand, we didn't have any point guards. And we, we go to the finals against Boston, beat the Lakers, and we have no point guards. John Lucas, Lewis Lloyd, and then the great Mitchell Wiggins. Now his son is playing right now. Mitchell Wiggins was on our team. And he did up mad jump. We had no point guards. We created a point forward. But if they had kept us together, we would won, you know, I think won a lot of championships. 
But anyway, that didn't happen. But today's game, you know, a friend of mine out there, Thomas, was, had a, a uh, comparison with me and, 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 the, and the Greek freak. And I would have loved to play in today's game. Um, I think my skill set, my mindset, I mean, seven foot four, you can't shoot threes in my era. Like, why not? And now you got all big guys shooting threes like it's running water. So I'd have loved to do that. Uh, today, I, I wouldn't have got beat up as much uh, on the post. Uh, and I think things would have been a lot easier in some regards to uh, my physical injuries, this, that, and other. Because, you know, you couldn't drive down through the lane in the NBA we played in and not, not get hit. You know, the lane is wide open today. You could drive down. I guess shoot threes. I mean, look at what Dirk Nowitzki did over his career in Dallas, seven foot. He had a turn, he had a turnaround jump shot from the free throw line. And so, you know, that, that, that stuff happened, the game and the ball, but I would love to play today for sure. Ralph Sampson, our guest, when you watch Chet Holmgren, uh, your description of what you were like going into the league, body size, not game, is practically the same. Seven feet, 190 pounds, if that, for Chet Holmgren right now. What should we right. expect? What could Orlando or anyone else picking in the top three expect him to grow into size-wise? Where does he need to be to play in today's game? Well, I, I, you know, he's he just got to develop his skill set um, and find out what's his sweet spot. I mean, the game will develop. The body will definitely develop. Uh, you know, he's going to go to a bad team that, you know, they're going to lose a lot of games. Uh, and that's going to be discouraging to him. And then if he goes to one of those bad teams, he might have to get traded. at some point in time to get to a better team. So just don't get down on yourself initially. Go in with an open mind and open heart, but work on your game every day. Uh, and that way you can achieve success. You work on your game, work on your body, work on your attitude, because it's totally different than a college game. It's totally different than a college atmosphere. It's a grind uh, in the NBA. Everybody knows it. Today they have, you know, private planes and all this luxury stuff. We didn't have that. We had to get in and had, they had, we didn't have chefs and people cooking our food. It's not a, don't get bought up, caught up with the hype. You got to put work in. And the crazy part, I'll tell you guys, is that a guy like Chet, you know, big guy, whatever, they have player development coaches that never played a game of basketball. That may throw you the ball out, say, do this drill, do that drill, but no drill in the name of basketball, no drill can help you become a basketball player on the court when it's live. And so you got to figure it out. You got to. You, it, it'll, it'll, it'll get you some great moves, but it ain't going to get you in competition where you can play at a high level. So people have to understand it. it's crazy out there in the NBA. Um, and, you know, they they got more scouts than people that, that never play the game at all. They think they know how to play the game. They tell people all these analytic things that will tell them that this guy should play here and shoot the ball there. That's just that's dumbfounding to me and old school guys. But we, we never was like that. So. Chet will be – I mean, I think all the draft picks coming up will be good. Uh, I've been watching it and, and trying to evaluate who's going to be number one, number two, number you know, top ten. But uh, they got to put work in. Um, just like the – you know, I ask people, you guys might know, who was the, who was the top player pick last year? In the draft. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Now, most people don't remember. And uh, he he was uh he went to he went to Detroit. Oh, uh, Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. Yep. But you, you don't remember him. It's do not you? what it used to be. No. No. It, what it, he's, <laughs> he's no Ralph Sampson. We we remember not that number one. But that, that's that's the problem with with the NBA and 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 then and the draft picks. You don't remember the 
draft pick last year because he got to go with a bad team. And he's got to develop his game. Cunningham got to work on his game. But it could be a situation again with Detroit. They're not going to be a great team. Ralph Sampson has been our guest, host of Center Court on Believe. Uh, Warriors closing this out in six? Or do you think we're going seven? I think it'll be a seven-game series. If, if Boston has any heart, if Boston has any heart with Tatum and that crew and, and, and Browns especially – and uh, you know, uh, Marcus Smart. They have any heart, they go go home and, and, and they'll blow. They'll blow Golden State out. If they don't have any heart, it, it, it'll come out. And Golden State will win the game, not in, in a blowout or a tight game. Golden State wins on your court, then that means you know you you don't you don't have it. We played. We were down three games to one in Houston, uh, and Boston could have won. And I swear to my teammate that they would. That they may win the series, but they're not gonna beat us on the home. court so we literally got in a, a fight i got kicked out and we end up winning the game but they won the series so you can, you're not going to win them you might win it but you ain't going to win them on court ralph sampson has been our guest ralph thank you for the visit today uh we'll be reaching out soon we love the visit today and 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 hopefully you'll be on again real pleasure thanks yeah it's my pleasure let me know you guys are good and and good luck and uh keep talking sports whatever you guys do is working i, I love being on thank thanks, you so man. much thank you thanks ralph there's ralph sampson hall of famer and uh, check out him on Center Court uh, through uh, Believe uh, is where you can find uh, his podcast each week. Coming up, we get into uh, something that's coming to a screen near you very soon. In fact, ESPN will debut this right after the Home Run Derby. More headlines as well, including Deshaun Watson. The money that was going to be handed out reportedly uh, – to Sean Payton. That'll be something we get into John McClain, uh, with John McClain in about 19 minutes from now. Uh, plenty of NFL discussion to come on Outkick 360. From 6th and Peabody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Following the Home Run Derby uh, on ESPN, they're going to go straight to the captain. The seven-part series on the career of Derek Jeter. That will uh, be much better than the celebrity softball game. Yes. Or whatever they play on replay. Question's the same on, on all of these things. I think you guys will agree. How, how filtered? How, uh, you know, how much do we get to see that? Uh, I'm sure he has a hand in the production of this, right? Um, and in, I'm sure. in what's shown. So how willing is he to let us see some stuff that maybe he's not crazy about, but that gives us some insight into him? How controlling is he compared to Brady on man in the arena compared to Jordan, who I don't know how much of a hand Jordan had in, uh, a lot. in his, but I mean, we learned All. some stuff. We learned some stuff in Jordan. So Jordan let his guard down in some of that and let us yeah. learn some stuff. About it was the entertaining game and stuff, right? Yeah. We learned new stuff. Are we going to learn new stuff? I learned new stuff in Man in the Arena. And I, I, I haven't gotten back to Man in the Arena, but I really liked it. If it is 
similar productions. It's going to be filtered to some extent, and it's going to be through the lens of the captain himself, Derek Jeter, to a large extent. But if it is in the same vein as The Last Dance and Man in the Arena, it's going to be great. And I think I, he knows it, he's got to match those two. Right? He knows he's got to well, match those two. I, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, if it, it can't be overly guarded. It can be guarded and still be informative and entertaining. T- Tom Brady, you know, he cussed a lot in it. But it was pretty guarded, you know, for the most part. There's a lot of these that they didn't get into. Jordan the same way. But There's they more. were entertaining because – the guests they had speak on camera were really good and had a lot of great stories and insight. So it's if just it's, additional if stuff. If it's anything like that, this is guy. a subject matter that's going to be great. Yeah, additional stuff on a legendary guy that you want to know as much as you can about from as many angles as you can. It debuted, by the way, the first episode at the Tribeca Film Festival two nights ago, and one of the people in attendance was Jose Trevino. Uh, one of the Yankees catchers. Did he have a review, or what was? The, <laughs> has I, I, there been a review of it since it debuted I, there? I have. I mean, I've heard good things from people who were there, but more from uh, somebody who's a friend of the producer. So you would expect to say only good things. So the first episode is him going through uh, the background of getting to the league from the Midwest, and then being drafted by the Yankees, and then from there it's going to take off with him in New York. And then it goes from winning the fifth title to it'll, it will jump ahead to him being in control of the Miami Marlins for the final episode. Well, that final episode, I wonder if it ends with him departing the Miami Marlins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be kind of really, guys. really tying a bow on things. We're uh, not, a, not a good experience in, in the full there. I'm excited for it. Um, you know, Jeter, Jeter, unlike Brady and unlike Jordan, took more flack at the end of his career for, you know, the metrics came to judge him as less good than people thought he was. Defensive metrics came out and said he actually hurt the Yankees, though he made huge clutch defensive plays at crucial times and things like that. So in terms of his greatness, and I think we would all agree, I mean, the goddamn one crucial stuff He's and great. made huge plays, there's a segment of the population out there, a baseball population, that can't stand him because they think he gets too much credit and is uh, too glorified and shouldn't be mentioned in the air with, with Jordan and, and Brady. Uh, you say that about a Yankee shortstop who, who won – those titles and you know it can be a hard argument to make headline just jumped into my feed we're talking about the debuts of things with the captain and uh, there's going to be another debut i just saw this from the hollywood reporter and i had to double and triple check that this was not something from the onion or a fake story uh, the next joker movie directed by todd phillips the comedic director hangover old school is going to be a musical with joaquin phoenix and lady gaga Set to star. Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga will play Harley Quinn. And I wish, Paul, you could read this in your French accent so I don't hey, butcher man, it. Oui, oui. But it's going to be Joker Folly Adieu. I did It's going to be the, the sequel. And that is a French term. It's a medical Something term for Gaga. an identical or similar mental disorder that affects two or more individuals, usually members of the same family. And it's going to be the Joker 
and Harley Quinn, but the capper is it's a musical. The Joker was the fourth highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. It was a dark character piece that's very different, different. and now they're going to have a musical. Let me tell you this. I love the Joker. A musical version of it does not excite me at all. And Uh, I watch everything that Todd Phillips does. You know what doesn't excite me? Sobbing Lady Gaga for Margot Robbie. Well, Margot Robbie, so this is totally separate. You know, they have Jared Leto in the other version of it, but they went completely different, and it's like a you know, dark mirror, alternate universe world in this version of the Joker, which I think is probably far better than the cartoon version on the other DC comic side with Joaquin Phoenix and now Lady Gaga. We say Lady Gaga. Yeah, I know how to, to say it. Every time boss. I do this, people come back like, you know how to pronounce her name, right? And I'm like, it's Bill Hader said it that way on a game show on SNL when he introduced her was Lady Gaga. I thought it was a tribute to your old radio boss. No. I think the, you got it right. The um, the the actors involved, including now Lady Gaga, are going to be fine. Yeah. I, I it, this feels it's got like a and chance. I, I have no idea why they're doing it, but it feels like uh, in order to get the first one made, they agreed to do this. Like the, these, you know, these actors wanted to be a part of this in some way. I don't know why. It will either be fantastic the, or horrible. There will be no in between. Yeah. Well, either way, it's going to be lauded as some. You know, new thing. Masterpiece. Uh, yeah, uh, inventive. Well, apparently uh, a week ago, so Todd Phillips just tweeted out the title and a picture of Joaquin Phoenix sitting down reading the script for the first time, and now the Hollywood Reporter today gets a hold of the scoop that, oh, it's going to be Lady Gaga and it's going to be a music. Perhaps he was singing the script, not reading it. Well, there's, I mean, have you guys seen this version of the Joker? Yes. Okay. Oh, the newest? Yes. Yeah. The newest one? Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's musical elements to it. Yeah. Like he's dancing in it and doing things like that. But I mean, is it like I, I see it if they do it in a way where it's just his mental illness that like the like the whole I don't want to spoil too much the original one, but things that are in his head. It's a musical version of that going on in his head. Maybe it makes also, sense. Also, is it a musical like but a straight musical music, makes no sense. All music or some music. It'll be like the movie Les Miserables. These guys love their French. Coming up, John McClain joins us. He threw out the first pitch for the Houston Astros. Uh, But we have plenty of NFL headlines, many camps galore, including Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. That's next on Outkick 360.